Well, good morning, City Light. How are we doing today? All right. It is, it's really good to be with you guys today. It is good to be with God's people, with God's word together. Amen to that, huh? Amen to that. Hey, if you could turn your Bibles to Exodus 33. Exodus 33. And as uh, some of you may know, my name is John. I'm one of the pastors here at City Light. If this is your first time today, I just want to say welcome. Welcome to this church. I'd love to get to know you after service. And if also you're new, you can also go into the, connect, go into the welcome desk right behind you, and we'll just, we want your info, and we'll give you a gift, and we just are excited to get you plugged in. Uh, hey, this is my second Sunday back. As some of you may know, uh, my wife Leah and I had a small, like a tiny little life change that happened. We just had a first newborn baby. About six weeks now, so praise God, he is healthy. He is healthy. Yes, you can clap to that. You can clap to that. But I just want nothing more than to serve you guys with God's word this morning. I just want to remind you, like, God's, God has a word for you and I this morning. God has a word for you specifically in your season of life this morning. That's the power as we expose God's word today. He has a word for you. Whatever you're going through right now, in season, at the right time for you. So the job here is not to simply listen, but to ask God, Lord, what are you telling me? What are you actually telling me? And that's going to be in part with the Spirit to help guide you through it. And that's my prayer for you this morning. So today in Exodus 33, I simply want to present you with this scenario, with this question. This is the question. What if God were to give you everything but himself, would you take it? What if God were to give you everything but himself, would you take it? What if God were to give you all the money you wanted? What if God were to give you your dream job? What if God were to give you perfect health? What if God were to give you the house that you wanted, the spouse that you've prayed for, the children that you had in mind? What if God were to give you a peaceful, flourishing, and comfortable life? What if God ended this pandemic today? And what if God were to give you everything life has to offer, but with one condition? And this, in his condition, is saying these very words to you. But I will not go with you. What would you say? Would Would you take this offer? What if God were to give you everything but himself? Would you take it? That is the question. And what we'll see in Exodus 33 is that there was a point in history that God said these very words to his people. I will not go with you. And one of the reasons why I want us to dive into this story is because one of the biggest temptations for you and I is to simply forget about the presence of God. Especially after going through 21 days of prayer and fasting, now 28, we can simply presume his presence, take advantage of his presence, and simply forget about it in various ways. And after a time of consecration for him these past 21 days, this chapter, this story will show us that we cannot move forward without the presence of God. Just can't. Like we cannot move forward without the presence of God. We cannot move forward as a church to what God has called us this year without the presence of God. You cannot move forward into what God has called you to do without the presence of God. And my prayer for you and I this morning is to simply be confident and desperate for his presence. 
No, I want you to be assured of his presence. I want you to, be, to depend on him like you've never depended before in, this entire, in your entire life. This is my prayer as we looked into Exodus 33. And the overarching theme that we will see in this story, and it's almost going to be our guiding, guiding force as we look at different shades of God, God words, is simply the sentence, the presence of God establishes the path you take for his name's sake. Right? The presence of God establishes the path you take for his name's sake. Okay, sometimes when we want to, we're trying to figure out the path we're taking, but sometimes we forget about that last part, which is for his name's sake. The reason why you don't feel established in your steps because you completely forgot about God's name in mind, God's glory in mind. And this chapter, this story will teach us what, what, what dependence of his presence looks like. The presence of God establishes the path you take for his name's sake. So I just cannot, are you guys ready to see this? And this is gonna be an amazing, amazing unfolding of God's word. So turn to Exodus 33. And before we dive in, I wanna set the stage a little bit. As some of you guys may know, earlier in Exodus 33, God used Moses simply to free Israel from the slavery of Egypt. After that, the people of Israel, what? Crossed the Red Sea. And from here, God had been leading, guiding, and providing for Israel. He led them by what? Fire at night and cloud by day. Thank you, thank you. He also provided bread from heaven. Bread from heaven in the middle of the desert. Heaven. God's presence was among his people during that time. And then something great happened again. The Lord called Moses to Mount Sinai. Up top, Moses, meet me up top. Here's my Ten Commandments. Here's my law. Here's our several ways that you can be distinct among the world as the people of God to minister to me and to you so that you and I can dwell and be intimate together as God's people. So Moses spent 40 days and 40 nights in Mount Sinai. And it was at this point, at this very point, Israel kept waiting. Where's God? What's he doing? Where, where's Moses? What's, what's going on? 40 days, it's a long time. So they broke faith. They broke faith, and they decided to build a golden calf. They built a golden calf. They worshiped this golden calf. Now, in this golden calf, they offered sacrifices. In this golden calf, they basically relied on their future. In this golden calf, they entrusted their survival. In this golden calf, they relied on their security. And in this golden calf, they hoped for their blessings. Basically, in this golden calf, they have replaced God himself. What is your golden calf? What is your golden calf? And so this setting leads us to chapter 33, and this is what has God has to say. So verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, depart. Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your offspring, I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up, go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. Some good stuff right there. It's a great life. Think about it. God sending an angel to free from trouble. God sending them to a land flowing with milk and honey. God sending them. They're, they're, they're going to be all right. 
But he'll get that. But I will not go among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. I want you to see God's mercy in here. They were stiff-necked people that deserve eternal punishment, but God didn't do that and didn't give up on them. And in fact, what? He still planned on sending them to the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. He planned to send an angel to guide them, and he ensured that Israel would gain victory from their surrounding enemies. This is everything Israel could have asked for. Everything. They were living in a desert. Now they're going to a nice, safe land with provision, with riches, and they can grow and build a family. They can live the life that they dream of with comfort with security, with pleasure, with everything else. But God said, but I will not go among you. I will not go among you. And we see a critical point here that you and I need to remember, a critical point that God is telling you and I today. It's simply this, that sin sets aside the presence of God. Sin sets aside the presence of God. Just think about what you set aside. Think, take, take a little bit. You set aside the presence of God. You choose to do this, you're setting aside the presence of God. You choose to do that, you're setting aside the presence of God. You look at this picture, you set, you're setting aside the presence of God. You have set aside the presence of God. Our sinful nature can set aside the presence of God. Now, to clarify, if you are in Christ, Galatians 2.20 is telling us that God's presence is living in you by faith alone. Jesus Christ is in you. The Holy Spirit has sealed you has sealed his presence in your heart by faith, through, through faith alone, by his grace. We cannot earn this. We cannot work for it. God's mercy and grace has simply given us through his life, death, and resurrection so that by faith in him, God's presence is in us. That is a reality. That is a reality. But, but... There's also another side that sin does set aside the presence of God. What we'll see later in this story is that divine direction comes from divine favor. You know, divine direction comes from divine favor. So think about it. If you've set aside the presence of God, you don't get the favor of God that gives you the divine direction to, to be established in your steps for his name's sake. That's what you can set aside. No, and where, that's, that's what you can set aside. Just think about it. Setting aside sin... You don't get to sense his presence too much. Setting aside his presence, you don't get to sense him. Things will just get too cloudy. You won't be convinced of the things you know to be true about him as much as you want. There will be no power in all that you do. There will be no anointing and favor and blessing in, that you're, in all that you're doing. You won't be an aroma of Christ as much as you wanted. You know, you won't be established in your steps because simply the presence of God establishes the path you take for his namesake and sin sets all that aside. You know, I'm really trying hard to think, to think about this. To set, us, to set aside the presence of God is like choosing to get drunk. Okay? To set aside the presence of God is like choosing to get drunk. When you get drunk, you appear to be more self-confident. When you sin, it's the same thing. When you get drunk, you're likely to take more risk, even as your motor responses are slowed. Everything's just cloudy. You know? When you get drunk, you have a poor short-term memory. The same thing when you're being living in sin. You forget the goodness of God. When you get drunk, you get sleepy. You get real sleepy. And this is exactly why Paul had to warn the church of Corinth by saying, wake up from your drunken stupor. Do not go on sinning. 
Do not go on sinning. Wake up from your drunken stupor. Y'all know what stupor is? Stupor is being in a state of deep sleep. You drink so much that you have essentially fallen into a very deep and unresponsive state of sleep. And for some of you, the reason you don't sense the presence of God, the reason you don't sense his leading, his intimacy, his favor, his direction, is because you've been asleep. You've been asleep from your own sins. You've set aside his presence for so long that you've become unresponsive towards him. So I ask, is this you? Are you in, in this season right now? Have you felt this way? And are you setting aside the presence of God? In what ways are you setting aside his presence? In what ways? You know, all throughout the Bible and the New Testament, one of the biggest commands that they say is to take heed. Take heed. Take heed of setting aside the presence of the Lord. So what now, after hearing this, what did the people think about? Look at verse 4. When the people heard this disastrous word, disastrous word, I got to circle that, disastrous word. With all the terrible things that can happen in your life, the worst thing that can happen is hearing God say, I will not go with you. That's it. So they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, you are a stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I should go up among you, I would consume you. So now take off your ornaments that I may know what to do with you. Therefore, the people of Israel, look at that, stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. Now, one commentator said that the removal of ornaments depicted outwardly the people's sorrow of a heart. It was a response similar to donning sackcloth and ashes. Think about wearing sackcloth and ashes. It was that bad. But with all the terrible things that can happen to them, the worst thing that can happen is simply God saying to them, I will not go with you. And human nature realizes more of the worth that you and I have at the thought of losing it. That's just reality. You realize more of the thought that you, of what you own at the moment that, was, that, will be, that you will lose it. Which leads us to the next verses. What's awesome here is these next verses right here, it's going to take off the storyline for a little bit. It's going to show you the good stuff that they have, and it'll show you what Israel will miss. Look at verse 7. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up, and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. Not a scene. When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. What a scene. Like, what a scene. Walking up, God descending, and they can see and confirm that God is among them, rising up and singing. And then if it, it can't get any better, look at this. Thus, verse 11 the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. They were that intimate. They were that intimate. What a great scene. 
Moses' intimacy with God, seeing the people stand up and worship, seeing the people say, being confirmed that God was among them, seeing all that, seeing God as a friend. And this is what Israel will miss. Like, imagine that. Imagine not having church on Sundays forever. Imagine not getting to get up together and singing songs. Imagine not having restore nights. Imagine if you can't ever read the Bible. Imagine if you can never, ever pray to God. Imagine if you can never and ever be intimate with him, to know his leading, to know his sense, to know his friendship, to know his fatherhood, to know his guidance, to know his word. Imagine. Imagine losing all that. Imagine losing a friend. And Moses Imagine losing a friend as he, as he was called to go to the promised land. And Moses was thinking about that. And this is what we had to say. So verse 12, verse 12, Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, see, God, you say to me, bring up this people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name. And you have found favor in my sight. You've said that, God. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways. Look at that. See how desperate he is? Please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Divine direction comes from divine favor. Divine direction comes from divine favor. You want favor from the Lord. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Now, that sounds really good, but he's basically just repeating himself from the first verse. What God's really saying here, I'll go, I'll just give you guys rest. You guys will be safe. You guys will, you guys will live your lives, will flourish. You guys will have a peaceful life of no enemies. But what did Moses say? That wasn't enough for him. Look at verse 15. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. <laughs> the boldness, the faith-filled prayer. If your presence will not go with me, God, do not bring us from here. So Moses is saying, no, I don't want just your security. I don't want just rest. I don't want just comfort. I don't want just to have you for, you, for your sake. I don't, I, don't want just, I don't want to be comfortable here. I, don't want, I want you. I want you. In verse 16, look, for how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight? I'm your people. Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? Is it not? So Moses was saying, what, what? We don't want to just blend in the world. We don't want to be, we want to be distinct. You know, I don't care how rich we get. I don't care how comfortable we get. I don't care how safe we get. I don't care about that. I don't care we're going to a land flowing with milk and honey. If you are not going with us, because if you are going with us, we can be distinct. And if we are distinct, you are proclaimed. That's it. That's the heart of Moses. We are distinct. You are proclaimed. The presence of God establishes the path you take for his name's sake. You see at verse 16, this is really it that hit me. Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct? I and your people? Is it not? You know, one of the biggest revelations for me as a new parent is summarizing two words. Gas problems. Gas problems. Not for me, but for the baby. Gas problems. I mean, for parents, from the parents here, it's no joke. I mean, gas problems are no joke. I feel so bad for the baby. Baby's struggling through it. And there's a thing called uh, cluster feeding, too, that I learned a few weeks ago, where basically uh, the baby needs food every hour through the night. 
So imagine baby needing food every hour through the night plus gas problems. He doesn't get any sleep. We don't get much sleep at all, but especially the baby doesn't get sleep. Leah does not get sleep, especially the moms do not get sleep. First of all, I just want to say moms, women are just a lot tougher than men. This is reality. Just ever seeing what they had to go through plus motherhood, it's just props to you guys. Praise God. Uh, but think about this. Uh, gas problems. He's crying. One morning, he, is, he, is, he hasn't been sleeping. She, my wife, Leah, hasn't been sleeping. So it got to the point where Leah was just like, John, just have, just have him for now. Have him sleep in my chest. And maybe you guys can just hang out for the next hour or so so that she can nap. I'm like, okay, absolutely, I'll do that. So this was around 4.30 a.m., 5 a.m., and I had him on my chest, and you know what? This is one of the few mornings I've had so far that's very peaceful. Let's just pull out my phone and read the word. And God led me to Psalm 78, Psalm 78. And this is what he revealed to me. He said, we will not hide from the children, but tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might, and the wonders that he has done, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God. And at that moment, it just hit me. It just hit me. I said to God, God, is it not in your going with me that I can be a father to this child? Like, is it not in your going with us that we can parent this child so that he can set his hope in you? In the same way, whatever he has called you to do, you can say this to the Lord. You need to say this to the Lord. Is it not in your going with me that I can fulfill what you have called me to do? You say that to God. You say, is it not in your going with me that I can go through this sickness? Is it not in your going with me that I can go through these trials and difficulties? Is it not in your going with me that I can raise my kids as a single parent? Is it not in your going with me that I can go through not seeing my loved ones for years? Is it not in your going with me that I can be confident when I take risks for you? Is it not in your going with me that I can trust for your provision in the season of an unknown? Is it not in your going with me that I can have wisdom to navigate various situations? Is it not in your going with me that I can share the gospel to my family? Share the gospel to my neighbors. Share the gospel for my coworkers. Is it not in your going with me? And especially, especially we think about us right now as a church, as, as city life, we can say to God, is it not in your going with us that, can, that will make us lights of this world? Is it not in your going with us that we can bring good news to the poor? Is it not in your going with us that we can bind up the brokenhearted? Is it not in your going with us that we can proclaim liberty to the captives? Is it not in your going with us that we can proclaim the year of the Lord's favor? Is it not in your going with us that we can bind up the brokenhearted, give beauty for ashes, oil of gladness instead of mourning? Is it not in your going with us that we can give a garment of praise instead of a faint spirit? Is it not in your going with us that we can make a way for people to meet you, to meet you as a friend? Is it not in your going with us that we can be distinct? Because when we are distinct, you are proclaimed. Is it not? Is it not, God? And what does God say in return? Look at verse 17. And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken, I will do, for you have found favor in my sight. And I know you by name. That's it. Sometimes in all that you're going through, all you need is to God tell you, I know you by name. I know you by name. 
Whatever you're going through right now, God can just simply say, I know you by name, and that's enough. I've found favor in your sight. I know you by name. The presence of God establishes the path we take for his name's sake. Bank your life on that. Bank it. So I ask you again, I ask you again, if God were to give you everything but himself, would you take it? Would you? May it never be. May it never be. Well, Jesus at the cross, you guys know, he has several words, but there's one word that stands out right now as we're talking about this. When he was at the cross, he said to God, he looked up, said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it was, what, it was at that very moment that Jesus experienced the penalty due our sins, being apart from God. It was that very moment that Jesus experienced God's disastrous word of, I will not go with you. So that through Jesus, through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, through faith and repentance in him, God can say to you and I, I will be with you until the end of the age. And you can trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Say to God, is it not? Is it not you're going with me? Let's pray. Lord God, we just want to thank you. We would never want to leave. We never want to go without you, God. We need your presence. We want your presence. Cleanse any of sin in our hearts right now that sets aside your presence, Lord. We want full clarity. We want to be established in your steps for your name's sake. We want these things, God. We want your favor. We want your direction so that we can be distinct for your name, God, for your glory, knowing that we can find more joy in you more love in you, more trust in you, God. So we thank you so much for your word, for all that you've done for us. As we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You stand up with us, and as we worship the Lord and respond to him, I just want to let you know the altar is open. You feel like you just need to sit down, feel like you need to lay down, feel like you just need to take notes, to let things, let things sink in a little bit, to pray what's been preached, anything. This is your time with him.